from the construction. Lots of great businesses down there. Be sure to check them out and offer your support. They would love to see you. To stay current on the progress of this project, attend one of our weekly project meetings every Wednesday at 1.30 at ERA Carroll Realty, 306 Main Street. Can't make the meeting? Follow Sheridan Main Street Project on Facebook and Instagram or visit the City of Sheridan's website. Thank you for your patience and understanding. Keeping your cash in a high-yield account is a simple way to save. First Federal Bank and Trust High Yield Online Savings Account comes with a competitive interest rate and local service from people you know. Open the account from the convenience of your computer or mobile device and watch your savings grow. Visit efirstfederal.bank to open your account today or check out our deposit specials. First Federal Bank and Trust, helping our customers succeed since 1935. Member FDIC. At Carpet Design, their showroom showcases the latest in carpeting, luxury vinyl, tile, laminate, as well as all types of hardwood flooring. You'll see what's new in color, texture, and technology. If your flooring is showing its age or you just are ready to make a change, come see what's new and exciting at Carpet Design. Every Saturday from 10 to 3, take 20% off on flooring in the warehouse. Large selection, too. Free estimates, 643 Riverside Street, Carpet Design. Having your own business can be overwhelming. Parker Mellinger can make your life easier with our payroll preparation, accounting, and tax services. Our fixed price agreement is set according to your needs and features unlimited phone calls and meetings for one monthly fee. Choose only the services you need, and we will tailor them to fit your business. Call today to see how we can provide you with cost-effective solutions. Parker Mellinger, 1811 South Sheridan Avenue, Sheridan. Are you a Main Street business owner feeling the effects of ongoing construction? Do you miss the hustle and bustle of busy foot traffic and the sound of cash registers ringing? Don't worry, Sheridan Media is here to help. Sheridan Media is offering advertising specials for any business on Main Street from Dow to Coffee. Let us help you remind people that you are open and ready to do business with them, whether they use your front door or your rear entrance. If you're not located on Main Street but still want to support the community, we have media packages for you businesses that are not on Main Street. Our goal is to keep Main Street thriving, and we believe that supporting one another is the key to achieving that. Sheridan Media is an employee-owned, Sheridan-based company that cares about the success of our community. Don't let the construction deter your business. Contact me, Aaron Linden, at 752-5961 for more information. Sheridan Media is an employee-owned, Sheridan-based company that wants to keep our Main Street thriving. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whiting. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. Now this morning I am joined by Emergency Medicine Board Certified Sheridan Memorial Hospital Urgent Care Clinic Doctor, Dr. David Nickerson. Good morning, Doctor. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well and I appreciate the opportunity to tell your listeners a little bit more about our urgent care up at the hospital. Absolutely. I always appreciate Sheridan Memorial Hospital sending doctors over here because it's, it's one of those situations where as a journalist you want to talk to the expert. 
you know, and, and in my opinion, the doctors, when it comes to anything medical, are the experts. And so I appreciate you guys coming out, taking the time, because uh, we're not streaming online, so folks can't see it, but you're taking some time out of your day. You're here in your scrubs. Uh, <laughs> and, and what's that thing you got across your neck doctors always have? Oh, stethoscope? Stethoscope. There you go. Yeah, sitting right here. Look at the part, even. Uh, now, you'll go back uh, as soon as you're done with this. How many hours a day would you say that you're working in urgent care? Oh, sure. Well, our, our operating hours are from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And, you know, we do meet together as a team beforehand to talk about the day, the previous day, things have gone well, and to just kind of uh, prepare ourselves for what we have coming up that day. Um, you know, we are, it is a little bit like a like the restaurant business. You know, our doors close at 5, at 5 p.m., but sometimes there are people who, you know, aren't able to get there till right before. And in that case, we're certainly not going to turn anybody away. So that can sometimes have us stay in there a little bit later later as well. Now, where did you grow up originally? So I grew up in Bighorn. Um, oh, to, you're local boy. I certainly did. Yeah, I uh, went to Bighorn High School, you know, all 12 years and uh, graduated from there and really enjoyed growing up around here. I just felt like it was a great place with a community that was really, you know, involved with the different things going on in, um, you know, within our town, like the, the library, the mm -hmm. IO theater, the hospital, lots of good involvement in all those things. And I also just uh, felt like people here really have a, a great lifestyle, you know, working hard, but also playing hard and enjoying the great outdoors. And uh, that was something that I wanted for my family as well. You know, when I got this job and um, I was having a conversation with a captain I'd served with previously, and she said, you know, you're lucky. Sheridan is a hidden gem in the state of Wyoming. And uh, even though we've got a freeway going right past us, not a lot of people know about Sheridan. And it really is kind of this hidden little pocket with with good values and and it's a great place to raise your kids um now that tells us what brought you to sheridan but do you remember the moment when you said i got i'm gonna be a doctor this is i'm gonna commit i do yeah it's, it's kind of a, a funny story you know i um, growing up here, had spent a lot of time with the geology department at the at Sheridan College, and you know one of their um, projects is that they do have a, a paleontology dig that's in in Johnson County. Um, so I was real interested in in dinosaurs. I uh, got to to work a lot. Um, with, with excavating dinosaur bones, which of course, you know, from the time I was young was something that was really interested, interesting to me and um, got to do a lot of interesting geology things around here. Uh, when I went to college, which was in Northfield, Minnesota, uh, I ended up finally settling on, on geology is what I was going to major in. But it's a very different situation geology-wise in, in the Midwest compared to here in Wyoming. You know, here we have all the mountains that, you know, rise straight up out of the plains and tip all the layers up. So driving up the mountain, you're gonna go through, you know, 15 or 20 different uh, geological formations driving up there as you see all those different colors going around the, the corners going up um, the Dayton Way, you know, you might go through four different geological formations within, you know, 
within three or four minutes. In the Midwest, everything's very flat. <laughs> Most of it is uh, sedimentary formations, things that are sandstone or limestone. And so where I was going to school in, in Minnesota, uh, we had to travel. Actually, we could see three different formations if we traveled the whole state. And if we went to Wisconsin, we could see a fourth. Oh, wow. And so there's a big difference in, in that. And, uh, you know, I didn't didn't have a great idea of what I wanted to, to do of as I was in college. So I chose something that was interesting to me and did that. And actually, um, afterwards didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I thought, well, the next step is you go to graduate school. So I had majored in geology and was, was going into that and was finding it to be kind of the, the same situation. Now I was in Iowa and there were still four different geologic formations we could see if we traveled the whole state. And so I started thinking a little bit more about, um, the things that I, was interested in, you know, what I wanted to do to try to make a difference in the world. And I was thinking about my family. Um, I've had a, a lot of family members on my father's side who, who are in medicine. I guess I would actually be a, a fourth generation doctor. Oh, wow. Yeah. My, my great grandfather on my grandmother's side was a physician. And then my, my paternal grandfather, um, my father and, um, one of his, one of his siblings, lots of folks are in nursing or physical therapy, other medical fields. And then, uh, I also have a cousin who's, uh, who's a nurse as well. And so I was thinking back to all of those, uh, different stories that they had told me, plus some things I had seen growing up fathering, uh, following my father around the, the hospital here as, um, he was an orthopedic physician until, until he retired in the nineties. And just thinking about that, that seemed to me to be a really good way to try to make a difference in people's lives. And so that all kind of culminated in about partway through my first year of, um, of graduate school. I, you know, was working on my master's degree in geology and on a long car drive up to Minnesota, started thinking more about, well, this just doesn't seem like I, I'm going to make quite the difference in the world or have the things, be able to pursue the things that I'm interested in as much as I would like. And I started thinking about everything else. And uh, by the time I got to where I was going, which was about four hours later, I had decided, well, you know what, I want to, I want to go to medical school. I want to be wow. a physician and, and see what I can do to help people that way. What a shift in gears. Uh, studying rocks gears. to studying the human body, really. <laughs> That's right. It, it was a pretty big change. And, you know, as I had been focused on geology, I hadn't taken pre-med classes. There's some overlap because they're both scientific um, you know, bo both scientific studies, but there were a lot of classes I had to do. And one thing I found out was that if you've already graduated from college, nobody really wants you back for, to just take a couple of, a couple <laughs> of classes. And I actually, uh, you know, I had done well in high school and college and, and I had trouble getting into somewhere to try to, uh, just finish wow. those last three or four classes that I needed. And uh, I ended up finally going to a, a program in Oakland, California, where that was made for people who just wanted to focus on just doing the pre-medical um, requisites. And it was something I could do in a year-long program and then picked up a few other classes and finally was able to start applying to medical school. Where did you go to medical school? So I went to the University of Washington in the Whammy program that quite a few of our physicians here in the community are um, graduated from as well. I, I feel like it's a... It's a really good school. It prepares you well for for pra the practice of medicine in our region. You know, what that program is, is for states that don't have their own medical school, like uh, Wyoming, Montana, Alaska, Idaho, uh, it's, 
it uh, saves a few spots in the University of Washington class every year for students from um, those states. And so you start out doing a lot of your first year medical school classes at your home university and then the second year get all together in, in Seattle. And they have been making some changes more recently. It may be slightly different than that, but the amazing thing is the really good opportunity to be able to get into a you know a top-notch medical school even though your state doesn't have one that's fascinating mm -hmm. i didn't realize that that uh you know they could set aside uh entire spots in in medical schools just for those students who want to come in from we'll say rural states that don't have that that's right and that that is a really special situation for for those states you know the usual situation is that each state medical school might have you know four or five out of 200 spots that are saved for for people that might be from out of state and so those are really competitive i mean there'll be thousands of applications for those couple of spots and what's really unique in in those states in the whammy area is the acronym for wyoming washington alaska montana idaho what's really unique there is that the state legislature has worked out um, you know a plan to be able to help fund some of those spots in those classes and so you really can have a, a good opportunity even from being from an out-of-state place and you know a small rural state to be able to go to a great medical school it never crossed my mind that we would have to do that uh, you know, I, you just kind of consider it like the same as every other discipline where you apply and you either get in or you don't. But there would be so many individuals wanting to go to medical school within their state that I, I could see them having to put certain seats aside to make sure that individuals from those whammy states actually got in. Uh, it never crossed my mind before. Now, do you remember what your clinics were like? Is that what they call that uh, kind of a gauntlet of medical care after you pretty much have gone through school, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you've gone through the classes and now you've got to kind of show a another doctor or a superior, maybe even a board, how to that you know how to work with people. Those are clinics, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I certainly have uh, plenty of good memories for, from all of that. You know, medical school is a little bit funny. It, they have been working on this more recently, but, uh, you know, it's always kind of been that the first two years of school are kind of studying in a classroom as if you were going to try to get a graduate degree in chemistry or biology. You study the, you know, the specifics of those sciences quite a bit. And a lot of times in, in certain places there, were, there was minimal clinical stuff that you learned. You might learn everything about some biochemical pathway, um, but not know how to take somebody's blood pressure, you know, things like that. They, simple. Yeah. Well, I say that, but to you, simple things. Sure. Absolutely. Now. And, and so, you know, most medical schools have been working towards adding some more of that clinical part on a regular basis as you're going through those first two years. But then all of a sudden, after you've finished your second year of medical school, you've completed all those kind of preliminary chemistry, biochemistry, physiology, anatomy, other courses like that. And then now you're actually in the clinical setting. Now you're actually in clinics and hospitals and, you know, working with physicians and learning as much as you can. People often describe it as, you know, kind of trying to drink from a, a fire hose. Yeah, There's yeah. just a high quantity and high volume that, that's coming at you. And there, there is a lot to learn. But uh, one thing that, that I really enjoyed was, you know, that was a really big switch 
and, and it, it was really different from what I had been doing for the previous couple of years. But for me, that was the part that I was really excited about and learning about. And, you know, as long as you have done a good job of, of paying attention and learning as much as you can in those next couple of years, if you can keep all of that, you know, retained and um, you start to relate that to, to what you're doing now, taking care of patients, uh, it could be really interesting. But yeah. it's also a, you know, it's also a big change. The training in those clinical years of medical school as well as in residency is pretty, is pretty intense. You know, there, there, at least when I was going through, was a, a rule that you weren't supposed to be, you know, there working more than 80 hours a week, which oftentimes did get, uh, wasn't strictly followed. Um, wow. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, work, working most days and a lot of the nights as well, kind of a rotating call schedule and uh, at least when I was there, the rules I think have changed a little bit since then, but we weren't supposed to be there for longer than 36 hours at a time um, without having 12 hours off, but that oftentimes did get pushed a little bit as well. And so, you know, lots of, lots of learning, lots of repetition and, and lots of paying attention to people who are, you know, good examples for the things you want to be able to, to offer to your patients in the future. Yeah. You know, I've been in training situations where it, nothing like what you're going through but you would learn something in a classroom and then they would take you out in the field and and you've got to be out there 48 hours no sleep just moving just mm-hmm. going going mm-hmm. going and this is to really test your ability to react under emergency type situations do the are the clinics somewhat like that i mean they're really putting this pressure on you it's lack of sleep can you still perform uh, it, it, I heard once that the reason why they, they keep you from sleeping is because it's the best way that they can simulate a high-stress emergent situation. Is that what clinics are really uh, about? Maybe that's not their goal, but is that part of it? You know, that, that part, I, I haven't ever heard somebody outline it that way before. Usually what you hear a little bit more about is um, the balance between getting somebody as much training as you can in a short amount of time. It's the balance between that and having somebody be tired enough that mistakes are more likely. But I would absolutely say that, you know, working those, uh, those long shifts all together, the, the repetition um, of all of that and, and the practice really does make a, a big difference. And there's also potentially something to, to be said for learning to work while you're tired, learning what that feels like and, yeah. and what you need to still be able to do to make sure that these things are, you know, are, are habit and are rote so that you're less likely to make a mistake in, in the future when you are tired. And certainly going through those times um, give, gives you a lot of perspective. You know, if you're working a, a night shift in the emergency room, certainly you are up in the middle of the night, but it also helps sometimes to think, well, boy, this wasn't, this isn't anything like when I was on that surgery rotation in medical school and I had to be there at 4.30 in the morning and didn't finish working and go home until 7 p.m. the next day. <laughs> Living your life in that comparative type of situation, I've, I've done that ever since mm-hmm. uh, my time in the service. You know, well, it's cold. Well, it wasn't as cold now as it was then. <laughs> well, I'm true. wet. Well, I'm not as wet now as I was yeah. then, so this is okay. It just kind of adapts you to mm-hmm. deal with these situations, and so I could, I could see that. Now, what would you say was your greatest hurdle in becoming a doctor? I mean, you were going to be 
a geologist. Mm-hmm. You, you were studying rocks, and and did you meet any hurdles along the way? That uh, well, I'm sure you did. But what what would you say was your greatest? Yeah, you know, for me, it, it really was the the shifting gears. You know, because I I went from you know having felt very comfortable in in studying geology and going on to to graduate school and that and feeling like I you know this was more intensive, more complicated material, but I, I had a really good foundation for that to to all of a sudden shifting gears to where I had just kind of, in my excitement to get to medical school, had really just taken kind of the, the bare minimum prerequisite so that I could get there and get to do what I wanted to. And it, it was a big gear shift because then it was going into the intensive, complicated material and medical sciences instead. And we, we put a lot of pressure on doctors in our society. Uh, you guys can never be wrong uh, in, in a way, <laughs> you know, but it's, uh, it, things happen and, and, and life happens. And sometimes, you know, I've even been in a situation where some of the finest doctors in the world look at you and say, well, this is just something we haven't seen, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of pressure uh, being a medical doctor. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there always has been. But I, I feel like today there's possibly even more. Do you ever feel that, the, that uh, there's just so much pressure on our, our medical doctors that uh, they've got to be right 100? You're not allowed to be human. You've got to be godlike, right? Yes, yes, that's absolutely true. You know, in most things you would feel like, well, if there's a, you know, one in 1,000 chance that some bad thing is going to happen, say, for instance, with, with my car because of the noise that I'm hearing right now, well, it was a you know, one in 1,000 chance, if that turns out to be the case, you know, it was pretty unlikely. That's reasonable that the mechanic didn't figure that out. But it feels a whole lot different when, you know, it's your loved one's um, yeah. health or, or your own health. And so, yes, there there is a lot of pressure for that. And, you know, it's, it, it, it is challenging. It, it is stressful and a little bit scary sometimes. But, you know, I just feel like you only have so much control over the really unlikely bad thing happening. The best thing to do is to just really give good information and be honest with your patients to try to make sure that you've checked out everything you can to make sure that things are safe or giving them, you know, all the treatment that you that you can and you just have to do your best. Yeah, yeah. And and just kind of focus on the things that you can control type of situation. Absolutely. Now, um, what do you what do you like to do to unwind after that kind of pressure? Because I mean a lot of us work, you know, stressful jobs. Yours, nothing like yours. So how does somebody go from being on the floor for 12 hours and dealing with some of the most uh, dramatic, painful situations, emotionally, stress? How do you unwind from that? Yeah, well, that, that's a great question. I mean, that that is a challenge, I would say, all over medicine right now. You know, there's lots of people working really hard that are in challenges situations that are life and death sometimes and you know everybody has the the same expectation that they that they would get good quality medical care regardless of what's going on with with other people and i I think that's reasonable um so you do give an awful lot of yourself while while you're at work and um it, it is challenging somewhat to to change gears after that you know you it it is hard sometimes to completely leave work at work and not be thinking about those things oh, when, yeah. when you get home. There, there's also some challenges, and it's not as easy to 
decompress when you can't talk about those things with with someone else you know there there are definitely um, rules about you know not being able to discuss somebody's medical information you know with somebody who is not right there working with them and taking care of them so that also can create a little bit of a a siloed situation where you can't really talk about all the things that you would yeah. that you would like to. So, for me, what I what I try to do the most is just when when I am leaving, take that that moment where I'm driving 15 minutes back to Bighorn and and just try to calm myself. Um, you know, let go of the things that that have happened at work. There's nothing I'm going to be doing with that while I'm at home, and and start thinking about my you know my wife, my kids, uh, my family, the fun things we're going to do, and then just try to do my best to, to turn that stuff off and not be thinking about it or worrying about it while I'm at home. But that is a, that is a challenge for everyone in medicine from, you know, any, any medical position. Oh yeah. Sure. Uh, you know, CNAs and, and nurses, it's, it's just part of their DNA and, and their position to get to know these people, talk to them, make them feel welcome and, and cared for. And then sometimes to actually, you know, you lose those people and mm -hmm. it's just a very, emotionally stressful situation and uh, I, I imagine it's the same for doctors you mm -hmm. care for someone as, as much as you guys do and and sometimes it doesn't always work out or sometimes it's just that situation that happens yeah and that's yeah. got to be stressful like I yeah you wouldn't be there if you didn't care and so yeah because you care it is sometimes hard to to turn that off and leave that at work afterwards it's jump in the car throw a good cd <laughs> in and go for a drive right that's right now uh, let's switch over what what defines uh emergency medicine um you know we hear a lot of different words now emergent urgent all, all these ints yes absolutely. <laughs> what what is emergency care and what what defines that sure well you know, so emergency emergency medicine is the study of all the different things that you would see on a on a common, you know, on a common basis in an emergency room. So that's everything from things in cardiology to uh, you know neurology, strokes, dermatology. It's a little bit of, of everything. Um, one of my one of my friends in training described it. Uh, in a way that I kind of like saying, you know, trying to be an expert in the in the first five minutes of anything. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's it, it is really uh, fulfilling to be able to ha have some framework to put most things that might show up in front of you into. Um, but it's also a challenge that you don't get to focus and really dig into, uh, you know, the the specifics quite as much in each one of in each one of those different disciplines. And so to really, you know, be focused on what do I need to do to, to stabilize and take care of the first things for this patient. And if it's not something where I can take care of it uh, all at once here today, to be able to quickly get them to the, the person who can address those things. Absolutely. I got to take a quick commercial break, Doc. All right. We're going to have more with Sheridan Memorial Hospital Urgent Care Clinic doctor, Dr. David Nickerson, when we return. You're listening to Public Pulse on 930K. Are 103.9 FM Sheridan. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 in cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. 
as part of their community commitment. The Sheridan Dog and Cat Shelter is receiving these funds per random drawing. We're giving $1,000 away every week to a qualified nonprofit organization. Next week, it could be your nonprofit. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present community commitment member fdic did you know one health cares for all of you your physical your behavioral and your social health we're proud to continue to offer primary care immunizations pediatrics senior wellness and now dental services one health is a passionate team offering exceptional care for the entire body all under one roof for all ages and all income levels accepting medicaid medicare private insurance as well as a sliding fee scale in person and telehealth so schedule your next wellness exam one health is now located in the train depot and at OneHealthCaresForAll.org. At Legacy Diamond and Gems, they have a wide selection of estate jewelry, including gold, silver, and platinum. With new items arriving weekly, now is the perfect time to stop in. Items include pre-owned Rolex watches, vintage and modern rings, pendants, earrings, and more, all at great values. They're also buyers of gold, silver, and platinum jewelry, paying maximum prices for diamonds and fine gemstones. So hurry in to Legacy Diamond and Gems, where quality and value are always in style. Legacy Diamond and Gems. 11 North Main Street, downtown Sheridan. Rackleton's fine food and spirits for dinner tonight. How about Andy's chilled pasta salad with shells, lemon basil aioli, oven dried tomatoes, and breaded chicken? Or the Frack Burger, a six ounce hand patted beef with avocado spread, bacon, butter, lettuce, Thousand Island, and brioche bun. Or try our tenderloin filet, bacon, onion, gorgonzola sauce, sweet potato pave spinach chiffon day be sure to ask your server about frackleton's wine pairings for your selection this announcement brought to you by farmers co-op country store on coffee avenue home of ethanol free premium fuel have you heard reproductive health care of the bighorns doesn't offer services just for women our clinic is gender inclusive and here to help with your reproductive needs we're a human clinic we serve every body call 672 672- 7054 or visit rhbh.org. Hi, this is Liz Kincaid, host of the new video podcast called Sheridan County Ag Update. Join me this week as I visit with Ashley Lohoff of Lohoff Animal PEMF Therapy. Sheridan County Ag Update presented by Heartland Kubota, Truebill Builders, and Cowboy State Bank. You can find my video podcast each week and other interviews under the podcast tab on SheridanMedia.com. Join me, Liz Kincaid, host of Sheridan County Ag Update on SheridanMedia.com. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, proudly brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. This morning, I am speaking to Sheridan Memorial Hospital Urgent Care Clinic doctor, Dr. David Nickerson. Now, doctor, we were discussing what emergency care is, and I think everybody (laughs) out there listening has probably been to the the E-room once or twice (laughs) in their life, uh, especially uh, individuals in the agriculture field. Uh, My uncle was a farmer absolutely hurt his leg multiple times he was they knew him very well in the the e-room now let's talk about what urgent care is this is a different animal than emergency care what is urgent care yes absolutely well you know so it's pretty obvious what what things you you serve in the emergency room you know those are life-threatening illnesses and injuries and you need to be seen right then and somebody needs to do something to to really turn things around for you um it's a little different in, in the urgent care urgent care is is something that's kind of at the intersection of um the less 
dangerous things that you might go to the emergency room for. It's kind of the intersection between both that and what you might go see your primary care doctor for. You know, if somebody's having a heart attack, it's very obvious that they belong in the emergency room. Um, if somebody has high blood pressure and high cholesterol and diabetes and heart disease and needs to adjust their medications, it's pretty obvious that they're best served being seen by their primary care physician or internal medicine physician. The place where urgent care fits is kind of in between those things. It is, um, you know, lots of things, for instance, you know, sprains, fractures, cuts, abscesses, um, illnesses, anything that is kind of a new problem that comes up um, that is not something that uh, is life-threatening is a good choice for, for the urgent care. So we see lots of patients who um, are there for something that's a new problem. You know, all of a sudden I have this rash today or, you know, I've I've, uh, you know, been sick with something and I feel like I need to get this figured out or, you know, I hurt my shoulder at work, different things like that. Um, those, those are problems that absolutely fit right into our wheelhouse and are the things that, that we take care of on a regular basis. There's also an aspect in the urgent care of, you know, I need to be seen for this right now. It's not something that is life-threatening, but it needs to be taken care of. You know, I have uh, you know, I, I've been having, um, you know, pain somewhere that that is really getting worse and out of control, and I don't know what's going on. But my regular doctor is, you know, is booked out until Friday, and this really hurts right now. Oh, I need yeah. to get it figured out. There's also an aspect of that. One thing that's really nice about our urgent care is that we do have X-ray uh, labs. Um, EKGs, ultrasound, all of those things right there so that somebody who comes in to see us doesn't have to get sent around to different um, departments in the hospital. We can do it all right there in, in the most timely fashion possible. And uh, I think that can be really convenient for patients sometimes to, to be able to go in somewhere and an hour later walk out and, and have answers and a, a plan to try to get things better. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and in the past, it would have been the emergency room. Uh, and, and a lot of people always used to wonder, well, uh, gosh, I'm waiting all the time. It's because the severity of the situations that come through the door, maybe even after you, demand that the doctor pay attention to that patient mm -hmm. as opposed to you. Uh, you know, your sprained ankle, hate to say it, but can wait while John's having his heart attack. we got to take care of that first. So urgent care. Uh, sounds like it, it really had a need in the medical community, especially in more urban areas, I would mm -hmm. imagine, uh, seeing a lot of those smaller injuries, uh, not to downplay or, uh, you know, devalue any, anybody's sprained ankle or broken arm, but uh, we can wait on that just a little bit in the e-room. Now, with these, do we need an appointment? Do I need to call ahead uh, and say, hey, I'm on my way? Or can you see me today or is the wait too long? Do we need an appointment for urgent care? Or is this kind of a walk-in situation? Yeah, that's that's a great question. You know, our, our focus there in the urgent care is to try to get people what they need is you know as quickly and as conveniently as possible so we have a few different ways to do that um, it is pretty traditional in in urgent cares that um, you can show up as, as a walk-in and and be seen then uh, without an appointment we definitely offer walk-in appointments to try to respect people's time and make things as convenient as possible we've also started um, 
offering scheduled appointments as well. So somebody can call um, and make an uh, appointment. They can actually now text our phone number or they can go online to SheridanUrgentCare.com and we have an online way to make appointments. Um, the benefits of that are that you can have a better idea of when you're going to be seen. You can show up there and, and not find out that you're the, the third person in line and you might have to wait a little bit longer. You can know and, and feel a little bit more comfortable with, you know, I'm going to be seen at 1230 and so I can show up there right before then and get in and get things taken care of as quickly as possible. We do also offer something else called telemedicine, uh, which is something that's uh, a little bit uh, a little bit newer in, in our community, but now it's being offered through various places. And telemedicine is when you can have a video visit on your cell phone um, with, you know, with a doctor or a PA or nurse practitioner um, from home or really anywhere that you can get a cell phone signal. Uh, for instance, one of the ways that uh, people have found this to be pretty um, you know, pretty helpful for them is people who are working and don't necessarily want to take a lot of time off from from work to have to leave there, drive to the clinic, be seen there, not know how long that's going to take, leave there, drive to a pharmacy potentially, and then finally get back to work. Oh, wow. Yeah, that you could know, be for for certain things. Telemedicine can be really useful, and we have a number of people who will make an appointment at a set time during during the day and know that they can just take a 10 or 20 minute break from work and from their office or out in their car, be able to talk with one of us without having to leave um, work. So that, that can really be a time saver and pretty convenient offering as well. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit more when I come back. i got to take another quick commercial break. We're going to have more with Sheridan Memorial Hospital Urgent Care Clinic doctor, Dr. David Nickerson after this. Stay with us. You're listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE, 103.9 FM, Sheridan. Okay, so I got this smartwatch that actually tells me that it's time to drink water. Our ancestors crossed the wilderness in covered wagons without water reminder sundials. How did they not die of thirst? Well, if you're looking for water, all you have to do is call 307 Wildcat Well Service in Eureka. They drill a hole in the ground and deliver cool, clear water. So here's your reminder. You need water. Contact 307 Wildcat Well Service today, and you too will have cool, clear water. Look no further than your locally owned McDonald's. The $3.50 value deal is available at your McDonald's in Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette. Choose from a McDouble, hot and spicy, or six-piece chicken McNuggets, plus a small fry for $3.50. Now that is a value. Don't forget to download the McDonald's app for even more great deals. Look no further for a great value deal than your locally owned McDonald's in Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette. If time and money are important, you owe yourself to visit Valvoline Express Care for your next oil change or automotive repair. They perform quality oil changes quickly, no appointment necessary. They service all vehicle makes and models with products that exceed manufacturer specifications to ensure your new vehicle warranty remains intact. If your car needs new brakes, battery, tires, alignment, or has a check engine light on, they can take care of that too. Valvoline Express Care, powered by the brand you trust, 752 Coffeen Avenue. Get ready for summer with CMB Supply. We have your yard care essentials in stock and ready to go. Grass seed, John Deere mowing equipment, rakes, shovels, garden supplies, bird feeders, and more. 
Also get your free gift with any $20 purchase. Come in to visit us at CMB Supply. We're on Heartland Drive and we're open Monday to Friday from 7.30 a.m. till 6 p.m. And then on Saturday, we're open from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. The Sportsman's Warehouse Father's Day Sale starts this Friday. Look for the flyer in this week's Country Bounty where you'll see deals Dad will love. In fact, you'll see 12 pages of savings on outdoor gear, hunting, shooting, fishing, camping, hiking, trail running, boating, outdoor cooking, clothing, and footwear. I think that covers it. There's no stone unturned for Dad at Sportsman's Warehouse, where they always guarantee lowest prices or they'll beat it. Open seven days a week on Brundage Lane in Sheridan. SSR Construction, a continually growing local company, is currently filling positions for year-round laborers and interns that are a fit for carpentry work and or dirt work. SSR offers good pay with a nice benefit package that includes paid holidays, partially paid health insurance, paid vacation, and a retirement plan. Experience is preferred. However, SSR Construction will train those willing to learn. Call Brett with SSR today, 672 60 672-6356. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, proudly brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. This morning I'm speaking with Dr. David Nickerson from Sheridan Memorial Hospital Urgent Care Clinic. Now, Dr. We were touching on telehealth, and uh, I'm going to have to go off uh, off of my preset questions here because this is something that can really save a lot of people a lot of time, but they could get the same care that they would in person, correct? Yes, I think there are, there are a few nuances to that. Um, you know, obviously, when, when you're seeing somebody over a video platform, you don't get to touch them right yeah you don't get to um, run lab tests that are there but there are a number of things that are really great you know great problems to be seen seen for that way you know for instance with a really obvious case would be somebody who who has a rash you know most of your examination of somebody is going to be visual and so telemedicine could be a great way to do that there's very little that you lose when you're when you're seen in that way as opposed to someone in person but then there are there are other problems where you know there are a few more things that you would like to be able to to do for someone and in that situation there there is some good creativity that you can use you know for instance on you know examining certain things does it does it hurt here or does it hurt there you know i can also you know give the patient instructions over the phone watch them you know touch a certain part of of their abdomen or other places like that and they can tell me if um you know if it's hurting there's a lot of things you can do visually you know there there are good ways to be able to see the back of somebody's throat even using their cell phone um and then there's always a a pretty good conversation with with people Uh, the things that people are seen by telemedicine for can really vary from ones where this is absolutely slam dunk a great thing to be seen by telemedicine for and you're not missing anything that I would be able to do in clinic for instance something that's a you know that's a rash or um, say a medication refill allergies thing things like that there are also some things where it is a little bit of a trade-off between convenience and um, being able to check everything that you would like to, but you can make up for that trade-off, I think, both by uh, the convenience 
for the patient, but also establishing a, a really good, safe backup plan. And a, you know, an example for that is, um, say somebody who, who has had numerous urinary tract infections in the past, and this feels exactly the same as what they've had previously. They know that every time they do this, they, they go to their doctor, they you know check some labs, see that yes, that's exactly what it is, and they get a prescription. And they would like to do this in a more convenient way. That's that's something where I don't get to necessarily run those labs and check and be 100% sure that they have a urinary tract infection. But what we can do to make up for that uncertainty is, you know, is listen to the patient, you know, trust the information that, that they're giving and that they do know their body well, and, and then have a good conversation with them about, you know, we're not able to check those labs today to know for sure that that's what it is, but you're really familiar with these symptoms feel like. This seems exactly the same to you. If you're comfortable with it, I think it's okay in this situation for me to prescribe you some antibiotics that should take care of this, but let's have a safe backup plan. If for some reason this isn't getting better right away the way that you would expect from the previous times you've had this, or if anything got worse, or if you had these other symptoms, then at that point it definitely makes sense to, to come back and see me right away so that we can do all those things um, in, you know, in person and really get 100% certainty on it. So I think that it can be a good balance um, of you know respecting patients knowing knowing their own bodies and mm -hmm. what is going on we're still doing things in, in a safe way it's just that we we have to sometimes use a little bit more creativity now those individuals who do utilize the telehealth do you notice an age difference is this is this everybody or is it more the younger generations who are used to this idea that has been really surprising to me um we see, you know, the majority of the people we see using telemedicine are, are people that are usually in their 50s to 70s. Oh, wow. We have not seen nearly as many people, um, you know, in their 20s and 30s using it as I would have expected. I would have, if you had asked me before we started that, I would have expected it would almost entirely be people in their 20s and 30s. Um, but it's, uh, there certainly are um, plenty of people in that age group, but I would say the majority are, are people that are a little bit older. Wow. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm with you. I would have automatically thought, oh, it's going to be 30, 35 and, and down. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I wouldn't have thought that, you know, some, some farmer 55, 60 years old out there is like, I'll just give him a call. <laughs> you know, I'll just FaceTime him for a little bit. You know, that's a, that's a great uh <laughs> That's a great example. You know, one thing that can be really nice about telemedicine also is that, you know, location. Say you live in Ucross or you live in yeah. in uh, Claremont. You know, it's a long way to get in here to Sheridan to be seen in person. Um, we certainly can do telemedicine uh, visits like that or you know, we can also do them for anywhere else in, in the state of Wyoming where we all are medically licensed. And, you know, I've occasionally had a few that were from other parts of the state, but you can also imagine the convenience if you live in Jeffrey City oh. or Bags or Midwest. Especially during the winter. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And the other uh, opportunity we have through that is, you know, we can send prescriptions anywhere, you know, to any pharmacy in, in the state. So, you know, it's it's not hard if somebody wanted to, you know, call us from uh, from Riverton that we could, you know, see them take care of what they need over telemedicine and send their prescription to right where they are as well. And see, that's one thing that I was going to touch on. As an urgent care doctor, I, I'll admit that, uh, especially when I was, uh, you know, in the guard, it was, I didn't have a doctor. 
you know, I depended on army doctors and mostly my medics. If you mm -hmm. want to know the truth, I, to this day, I'll still call them and say, Hey, <laughs> this, this hurts. What's going on. But do you notice that amongst a lot of individuals, they won't have a primary care physician. They make you the primary care physician because uh, they only think about health mm -hmm. when something's wrong, not like a long-term goal or anything mm -hmm. like that. You experience that a lot where you end up as the urgent care doctor kind of end up being the family doctor? Um, yes. Yes, in some ways. You know, certainly I, I don't have any illusions that I am, uh, you know, specially trained or, or great in primary care. My, right. you know, my training is more in the, the, the more acute, the more right now things. Um, but there are a lot of people where, you know, they're young and healthy and, and they have intermittent kind of self-limited things. You know, I, I broke my ankle one year and three years later I have a bad cold and a couple years later I have a skin infection. And we, we certainly see things like that, but we also have the opportunity, you know, being linked in with the greater uh, shared memorial hospital um, system that all of our, we're all in the same computer system there we can see everyone else's records they can see anything we do and so we have the opportunity where if somebody you know is interested in having a primary care uh, physician that we can hook them right in with primary care we can even make their appointment um, for a follow-up to you know get established there with uh, you know at the same time that they are they're being seen by us uh, and then when they go in and see that new person all of the records and everything that we did that that day or right there in the same computer system where they can see everything that we've that we've done so we you know we do as much as we can try to help link people who are interested into the the primary care system and there's i, I feel like a a real good way to smoothly do that for people which i think is absolutely great because you know when you are young and spry and you're out there living your life your health is probably one of the last things on your mind mm -hmm. and then you start a family or then, you know, now now we're moving into something new where I need that that constant primary mm -hmm. care provider to, to be able to speak with. And and in the past, there's always been a bit of a worry where it's like, well, what am I going to do with my medical records? Because they're over here. Now, all I've got to do, because I only came and saw you when I sprained my ankle or caught mm -hmm. a cold, everything just transfers so smoothly over to that primary care physician. I think that that computer system that Sheridan Memorials developed has probably saved so much time and money. You know, uh, my wife keeps a hard copy mm -hmm. of her medical records because she she's experienced situations like this over and over where you've got to go in and tell the same story over again, and and it just starts to weigh you down. And so being able to change that, I think, is fascinating. Doc, I don't have a lot of time left, but uh, uh, one question that I do like to ask doctors when they come on. Um, as a Sheridan doctor, is there one thing that you would like residents to know or keep in mind, and what would it be? I've got about a minute. Sure. You know, I, I, as an overall way to think about things to, you know, what should I go to the urgent care for, you know, I think the message I would want to give is, you know, we're really here for you and what you need. There, there are times when you can't get in to, to see your regular doctor or when you're not quite sure where the right place is to start. Um, there are times when, uh, you know, you, you're not even sure completely what's wrong, but you need to go talk to somebody and get some advice. And the way we see ourselves there at, at my clinic is, you know, we're, we're here for you and whatever you need. If you 
it, it's just fine if you show up here to see us for something that you should have been uh, somewhere else in an ideal world. What we want to do is, you know, take care of you and, and get you what you need. And if you need to also be seen by somebody else afterwards, we'll help facilitate that. You know, if it's something where really this is a problem that should have been taken care of by somebody else, you know, we'll we'll do everything we can to get things taken care of for right now and, and get a good plan to to take care of it moving forward really my thought is always just your problems are are our problems because you're here with me now and i want to help you doc it's been a pleasure thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy day to be with us here well thank you very much i sure appreciate the opportunity you've been listening to public pulse on 930 kroe 103.9 fm sheridan Your business deserves a strong partner. First Federal Bank and Trust provides cash management services to help your business collect, disperse, and manage funds. Whether you need merchant services or positive pay fraud protection, our team will find the tools that best support your business. Contact a cash management officer today by visiting efirstfederal.bank. First Federal Bank and Trust is your partner in success. Member FDIC. Are you excited about summer in the Bighorns, or are you a little worried about wildlife encounters? Take the Wildlife Encounters for Dummies quiz, and let's see if you'll survive your next encounter. Presented by Mandy Koltiska with Century 21 BHJ Realty. Here's a quick example for you. Let's say you're peacefully camping when a group of mischievous raccoons tries to steal your food. Do you A, invite them over and offer them a beer? B, Throw food over at the campers in the adjacent camp spot, hoping they'll follow it. Or C, start fishing and show them how to bait a hook. Time's up. The correct answer is, uh, I guess you'll have to take the quiz to find out. Wildlife Encounters for Dummies. Will you survive your next encounter? Sponsored by Mandy Koltiska with Century 21 BHJ Realty. Remember, it's all fun and games until a drunked out bear hits up your campsite. Stay safe out there. Take the quiz for a chance to win amazing prizes at SheridanMedia.com. The Sportsman's Warehouse Father's Day Sale starts this Friday. Look for the flyer in this week's Country Bounty where you'll see deals Dad will love. In fact, you'll see 12 pages of savings on outdoor gear, hunting, shooting, fishing, camping, hiking, trail running, boating, outdoor cooking, clothing, and footwear. I think that covers it. There's no stone unturned for Dad at Sportsman's Warehouse where they always guarantee lowest prices or they'll beat it. Open seven days a week on Brundage Lane in Sheridan. Let's talk about 963 Trabing Road. Country living just 20 minutes from downtown Buffalo. This great country property on 66 acres with no covenants features custom cabinets, a wood stove, covered deck, fireplace, private well, central air, and a large greenhouse. Horses are allowed, RV parking, and a large storage shed. The view of the Bighorns and Crazy Woman Canyon will seal this deal. Call Dolly Bellis at Buffalo Realty and ask her about this ranchette on 963 Trabing Road. Hi, this is Liz Kincaid, host of the new video podcast called Sheridan County Ag Update. Join me this week as I visit with Ashley Lohoff of Lohoff Animal PEMF Therapy. Sheridan County Ag Update presented by Heartland Kubota, Truebill Builders, and Cowboy State Bank. You can find my video podcast each week and other interviews under the podcast tab on SheridanMedia.com. Join me, Liz Kincaid, host of Sheridan County Ag Update on SheridanMedia.com. From the Wyoming Corporate Office Studio on 102.